Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're excited you're joining us. We're going to be talking about some late season scouting tips for soybeans. But we've gotten so many emails in in the Ag PhD mailbag. We're going to dive into those before you know it here. And unfortunately, some of them have to do with hail. You know, when we look at this time of year, there's a lot of things that can go right and there's some things that can go wrong. And one of them is hail. And when you get hail, the probably the worst person to judge, well, how bad is the damage is the person that got the hail? Because I know for me, I've gotten hail on my crops a number of times. And when it happens, I always think it's a total disaster. My first reaction, it's a total disaster. And then a week or two later, I'm like, oh, I guess it wasn't that bad. And anybody else that looks at my field says, it's not that bad, Darren. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. And Fortunately, it has been. I haven't been completely wiped out to to nubs before, and I'm getting pictures that are coming in, and a lot of them, it looks like there's quite a bit of plant left, so you do have to be very objective when you're taking a look for, for hail damage. And well, objective is the real key. You can't let emotion rule the day ever. When you're making decisions for your farm, we just encourage you, just take a deep breath Try to think about things logically and don't let your emotions get involved. So if you do that, early season hail, it usually doesn't hurt yield too bad. So what we would typically suggest is just take a look at the hail charts that you might find at, let's say, Iowa State University, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. There are a whole bunch of them out there. But what you're going to find is at just the vegetative stages of growth, you can lose a lot of your leaf mass and you still end up with just about full yield. So nothing to get too terribly concerned about. Uh, before we get into anything else, yesterday at the very end of the show, we were we were just talking, I was answering a question about uh, Roundup and safety. And just to reiterate this, yesterday the European Union announced that in their studies, once again, they found that Roundup does not cause cancer. Roundup does not have any negative health impacts. And so it's it's really kind of a sad world we live in today where people can just make stuff up, throw it out on what they technically call the news. We, we hardly have any actual news anymore. It's all uh, just... There, it's a lot of fiction and a lot of made-up stories and a lot of people twisting things the way they want it to be rather than actually reporting the facts. But anyway, people put this stuff out all over the media and whether it's Twitter or Facebook or you know whatever other social media thing you're into, Snapchat, people can just say whatever and if you hear it enough times, you start believing it. So you start thinking, oh man, Roundup's really that bad? No, it's not. Works on an enzyme found only in plants. It's been proven every single time through thousands and thousands and thousands of tests that doesn't cause cancer. So anyway, it's one of the safest pesticides that's ever been invented. If they are are successful in getting Roundup banned, we're going to lose all our pesticides because almost everything is more dangerous than Roundup. I can guarantee you that. So anyway, it's it's pretty sad, but Anyway, that's kind of where we're at. So just just you know, the the most stringent regulatory body in the whole world, the European Union, said again, no cancer, no problems. There's no issue with with glyphosate. All right, uh, let's get to the egg PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, get uh, this from 
Derek front and back there. The backside shows the picture of the field before the one-inch rain came through. But he said, unfortunately, my one-inch rain contains some frozen precipitation in it, too. What do you think about that? Just looking at one picture of what you think hail damage is. If that's your field, you're disappointed, of course, because it was beautiful and now it's not. But by the same token, I don't see stocks broken off to a large Yeah, but what there. was the title of his email? It was something like, give me some good news. <laughs> and here's the thing. Yeah, it stinks to get hail, but the amount of hail he had. So his corn was, just guessing here, I'd say V8, and he lost 20% of the leaf uh, 20% of the leaves off there. And without even pulling up the chart, I can tell you that's probably less than a 5% yield loss. So I'll, I'll, I'll pull up the hail charts quick and I'll, I'll let you know here in just a second, but no, nothing to get too worried about. Yeah, it's, it's still no fun. And I was talking to, uh, to Janelle just before we started the show today. And I said, you know, how much hail would I trade for a three inch rain, a nice three inch soaker? I'd trade some hail for that. Well, of course, because again, all we really care about is yield loss. Okay, V8, you could lose, oh yeah, and, and here's the thing. You can lose 30% of your leaf area, 30% and have zero yield loss. Even if you were to lose 65% of your leaf tissue, you'd only have 5% yield loss. So that's not bad. So nope, I would gladly take some hail right now because a lot of our corn's probably between V8 and there's probably a little bit of V10. Um, hopefully, hopefully you don't have and, to. But if that yeah, was our I, only way we could get the right, the I'd rain. gladly trade that. I'd gladly take a three-inch rain and a little bit of hail because it's not going to impact your yield as long as it's relatively minor this early in the season. Half-inch rain, no thanks. But uh, three-incher, sure. Okay, you got another one. This one's from Mike, and you know here's the difference on Mike's. Uh, hail picture that he sent we've got some stalks that are really damaged and broken it looks like bigger big hail yeah and it looks like it didn't last forever because there's some plants not super affected and then there's others that are just snapped and maybe six inches off the ground this one i'm a little more concerned about well, sure. it's going to be it's going to be up and down uneven out there and now what you look at is well what is my yield potential if i replanted with something like for example we get questions all the time all right if I didn't have a pre-herbicide down, so I have no herbicide holding me back from planting soybeans, would it be worth planting soybeans the end of June? Probably or not. would it be worth here's taking thing. a half a corn Here, Here's stand? the thing. I, I, again, I think we let emotion enter in and we say, oh, no, it looks terrible. Well, it doesn't look great. <laughs> but the thing is, he didn't lose enough leaf tissue to even hurt yield at all. So forget about the leaf thing. All we're concerned about is how many stalks were broken over. Well, you can just do stand counts on that. And it looks to me like 95% of the plants are just fine. So there's there's going to be very little yield impact because of that early season hail. For him, no possible chance I would be replanting, but that's just me. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is. Profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about late season scouting in soybeans. You can call it mid-season, whatever. One of the things, I used to debate Brian on this just a little bit, and you can you can guess how that went. And we would talk about, well, is it really mid-season or is it late season? Well, it depends. Technically, it's the middle of the growing season, but when it comes to some of the things you can do to rescue yourself from problems like late season weed control man we're running out of time on a lot of these options that we've got so it really is kind of late season in terms of some of the things that you can do to influence this year's crop so we'll talk about a few things if you have a question if you want to join the discussion our phone lines are open 844-44-AG-PHD let's start out in Ohio we've got Drake Copeland on right now with FMC Drake how you doing I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. What's crop looking like in Ohio? Well, I'll tell you what. In the past week, um, you can tell where folks have side-dressed corn. Um, crops completely changed, I would say, in the matter of the week. But we've got, in southern Ohio, a lot of corn with wet feet. So we're trying to recover from that. But overall, early planted soybeans are looking good. Um Everything should be turning around as we get closer to the first of July. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so let me throw a couple questions at the at you that we're getting with some of the guys that are out doing some scouting in their soybeans. They we're hearing a lot about, hey, my pre's are given up. I'm going to be layering a residual on, or I already layered a residual on, haven't got moisture on it yet. Talk to us about some of those things that you're seeing growers do in that that last pass they're making over their soybean fields for weed control. Yeah, and, and one thing that you know I try to warn folks is think about those chemistries that may carry over to next year's. When we get around the fourth of July, it's kind of the cutoff for you know our PPO products or ALS chemistries that may carry over to the next year's corn crop. So that's something to be aware of. Um, but the the main thing is is sticking with the plan. I know that you know guys got a residual out, may have not got it activated. 
but there will be some herbicides left to get activated, if you will, that will provide some control. But there's probably some late season escape. So we've got to focus on PPO chemistries that don't have a residual like Ultraplaser or Cobra. And then um, hopefully there's newer technologies out there um, that we can apply later in the season, but we have to be cognizant of the label with those. Okay, you mentioned wet feet in southern Ohio, and when I think about wet, a lot of times we get talking about disease. Talk to us about soybeans and disease. Are you actually scouting for disease, or are you encouraging guys, hey, it's this timing on the plant, R1, R2, R3, it's time to get out there and get going with your fungicide? Yeah, it depends on the disease spectrum. You know, guys that have issues or historically had issues with white mold, they're you're about guaranteed to, to have uh, some sort of an issue depending on the variety you plant. Um, but with that being said, you know, the past couple of years, we've seen frog eye leaf spot show its face um, in significant ways. Um, I particularly think about 2018, um, a lot of bushels gone from that one. So those are diseases to be on the lookout for, especially, you know, as we approach the reproductive growth stages, um, looking for frog eye and, you know, based on a lot of a lot of university research, you know, that R three timing for a fungicide is, is key to get the optimal return on that investment. So um encourage guys to get out and scout, but understand that if the inoculum is there and the and the environment is right, uh you will have uh diseases that will show up. Yeah, that's for sure. It's It just can change in a hurry, too. And we, we think about right where we're farming, Drake, we're super dry right now. And, and a lot of growers talking about the white mold, just like you had mentioned. And they've had a history. They're back into fields that have had some problems. And, well, you know, we aren't wet now. Well, it can sure change in a hurry. We could get that nice three-inch soaker that we keep dreaming about, so got to be prepared for that. Talking with Drake Copeland here with FMC in the state of Ohio. Drake, uh, hopefully you get the sunshine that that your guys need, get some nice weather, and get things growing again. Thanks for the call today. really appreciate it. Yep, thanks. Let's head back to our home state of South Dakota. We've got our friend Wally West with us right now with Syngenta. Wally, how are you doing? Hey, Darren. I'm doing really well. How are you? Well, pretty good. I, I I love how each year is different, and this year we're getting some some strange calls already. I'm sure you are too. What are some of the things that the guys are seeing out in these soybean fields, and and some things that we should be keeping an eye on here the next week or two? Ah, yeah. Well, certainly, certainly top of mind. Um, before I started, just had a had a thought here. The worth sharing with you and the audience around the difference between being proactive and reactive. You know, when you Think about what we do in agriculture. We're very good at and need to be very good at being proactive, you know, thinking ahead, uh, putting on things like layered, layered residuals, even in dry conditions. And then we're kind of transitioning to a time now, and today's topic is a bit more reactive, where we're, we're scouting, we're, we're looking for pests, we're trying to think ahead of what might be coming. And so it uh, kind of helps things framed, uh, framed up in my mind about the difference between being proactive and being reactive. We're generally most successful when we're being proactive, but there are certainly times when we need to be reactive. As far as uh, directly to your question on, on what we're seeing in beans, you know, boy, for, for what we've been through with a lack of moisture and we got in fairly, fairly decent time, uh, you know, late, late April, early May, got the beans planted. Uh, but boy, a lot of, a lot of those abiotic stresses that we talk about from the, primarily from the environment, we came through a 
cool period here a month ago rapidly transi- transitioned to hot and dry and that's pretty stressful on crops when you think about what they're what they're trying to do at that time not a lot of foliage or mass out there and uh, their their number of bean fields just uh, up to this point haven't looked real good but boy they're coming around you know they're it's an amazingly resilient crop you know when you think about soybeans they were developed in dry weather climate so they they're pretty pretty uh pretty uh, well-established in drier climates, and I, I still hold a lot of optimism for good yields going I, forward. I do, too. You know, you just can't give up on beans too early. In June, I don't care what the date in June is, it's still too early to give up on a bean crop. They can they can definitely have a good latter half of July and a good August and, and make some really good yields out there. But one of the things we're seeing, Wally, already is we're seeing some spider mites. We're having guys send pictures in, and they've got spider mites on corn. they got spider mites on beans. And that's that's just a little different animal than than a bean leaf beetle or a soybean aphid. Yeah, sure is, and they they do like dry weather. You know, spider mites historically affect areas that are that are dry, so it doesn't doesn't surprise me that we're we're seeing and we do have some do have some pretty solid tools uh, available for for helping manage spider mites. I don't know that we ever control them, but we can certainly help manage them. We've got a product from Syngenta called uh, Agrimec, which is um, quite effective on spider mites. So we do have do have options, so fortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, okay, we're flowering right now. A lot of these bean fields are flowering or just about to start flowering. What are some of the things right around that flowering and soybean timing that we should be aware of? Um, certainly white mold. You know, it, it, to your point, the, things can turn awfully quickly and we can get back into a wetter, wetter period. I, certainly hope it comes sooner rather than later but if we do that'll be one of the pathogens that we have to we have to watch for kind of that r1 to r2 timing uh, early flowering uh, when the uh, when, when the beans canopy when there's a, a fairly wet micro environment underneath that canopy we can be scouting for the apothecia the the uh, structures of the white mold that that release the spores and that's kind of go time when it comes to a comes to a fungicide application um you know the, the way things are looking. I, my best estimate in our world is that uh, the beans will be a little bit slower to canopy this year, so it might be pushed back a little bit. But still, to, to the point where if we know we have, if a producer ha- knows he has a field that has a history of white mold, don't take your eye off the ball just because the the conditions are dry. So that's one of the first pathogen we'll we'll look at, um, and then just to, to stick to the plan. You probably you, you've shared that with the listeners a lot, as, as we have too. You know if you're Planning for an R3 application of a multiple effective mode of action fungicide like Miravis Neos, you know, stick to the plan. We we know that that product delivers a, a high level of, of yield response when it comes to these abiotic stresses that we're facing. So it's um, it, that, that's probably next up after the R1, R2. Um, keep an eye on on uh, insects like uh, spider mites, and, or excuse me, already mentioned spider mites, but certainly soybean aphids. Grasshoppers could be an issue as we go west in in, uh, in our area. Yeah, especially with the uh, with the hot and dry. A lot of times we see more grasshopper yeah. pressure, and really any of these bugs this year when we're already stressed for moisture, uh, we don't want to give up any foliage. We don't want to put the plants under any more stress. So, so definitely keep an eye out for those. Hey, Wally, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. When it comes to weed control. Our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weave Control System, just better. 
with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today and talking about late season scouting in soybeans. Now, I get it. There's some soybeans that are just going in the ground. I've seen some pictures, guys double cropping, uh, getting beans in following a wheat crop. Awesome. Glad to see it. I know it's not late season necessarily for you, but in other parts of the country, we've had soybeans in the ground a long time and we're getting quite a ways into the crop. We're down to the last application or two, and it's really important to think about certain things depending on where you're at in the country. We've been talking kind of in a Midwest angle on this. Let's head down south. We've got Trent Irby with us right now with Mississippi State. Trent, thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, thanks, Cass. Thanks for having me. You bet. What are you seeing in soybean fields in Mississippi right now? Man, we uh, we're all over the board. We we had a really good start early planting, got maybe half the crop in, and then it got cool and wet for about two weeks, and just enough separation that we we really ended up planting two crops uh, the way that it all shook out. So 
on top of that, we, we've had some record rainfall recently, and we, we have quite a few acres that have spent two to three weeks underwater, uh, and, and we'll have to do some replanting there. So we're going to have uh, a wide range of, of harvests coming up uh, in, in our future, a lot of late season stuff, later than normal for us. Wow, that's for sure. So oh, I don't I don't like that flooding. That's no fun at all. I don't like the replant situation. So have you got guys still replanting now or, or will be replanting really soon? Yeah, we, we so the, the way the water is, is coming off of some of these fields with the rivers and such draining, we have some that, that are still underwater uh, from this rain event that was two weeks ago. Um, we got some that have been out uh, from underwater and have dried up enough that we were able to do some replanting. And, and so long story short, we may have some acres that we can't get to replant just because the calendar date may slip, slip by on us, uh, so far that we just can't get it done and, and be able to make the crop by, by the first frost. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what, what are growers doing in those spots? Is it put a cover crop in or is there another short season crop they'd be planting? Where we are, um, uh, Right now, today, soybeans and, and grain sorghum would be our two uh, most feasible options to, to put in a crop at this point. Uh, I'm not really sure, you know, how, how we'll move forward if we can't get. We still have we still have a couple of weeks left of planting window that we we feel like we could successfully plant and, and get a crop all the way to, to harvest time. But I guess that'll be just one of those bridges we'll cross if if we're presented with that situation here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, tough decisions, no doubt about that. Okay, talk to me about you got a good early start. So some of the crop that that uh, got in early is that looking pretty good? How far along is that? And are there uh, some late season things that you're already starting to see show up there? Yeah, we we have a, a pretty good start on on some of those acres. Uh, those acres are probably moving between R three and R four growth stages now. So we're setting pods and. Uh, getting ready to, to really dial in our, our irrigation you know, management on fields that, that have irrigation capabilities. And, and so from that point forward, we're really focused on water management where we, where we have that capability and then insect and, and disease management, uh, you know, as needed moving forward. How about foliar feeding? Now, you said you've had record rainfall. Are, are growers worried about, man, we've had so much rain, we better give a little dose of fertilizer out there as we're going with that irrigation pass? There's a lot of questions about that right now, and, and really, it, it really comes down to a field-by-field field basis. I mean, some, some of these fields, particularly these that have had all this water, uh, you know, a lot of guys are, are maybe making some foliar feed applications or even even applying some ammonium sulfate or urea in cases where we're having some, some nitrogen issues now following all that water. Uh, so there's really not a one-size-fits-all kind of answer to your question. It, it just really depends on each field and, and what's going on there. Now, you mentioned insects. What are the problem insects that you'd be looking for uh, late June into early July in your part of the country? We're not quite there yet. Really moving into the mid part of July uh, is when we, we start seeing uh, more of our insect issues and soybeans start coming in. And, and those those would be uh, mainly caterpillar pests and, and some red-banded stink bugs and things like that even later in the season. But a lot of it also hinges around our, our corn harvests and, and how those insects move from one, one crop to the other after one, one crop gets harvested. So you know, mid to late July, moving into August, that'll be that'll be a 
a hotter time of year, I guess, to focus on that. All right. With the excess moisture that you've seen, are there certain diseases that are, are just more prone to be a problem in those kind of weather conditions? Yeah. You know, any of our, any of our, root diseases can can be problematic and of course you know those those will show up and, and be a serious problem the crop gets loaded up uh towards the end of the year and, and could crash early just as a result of that infection earlier in the season so you know some of that may be yet to be seen and, and of course uh as these crops canopy and, and wind movement and, and things are limited underneath that canopy foliar diseases may, may become a problem but a lot of our producers will put on an automatic fungicide application. I say automatic, a proactive fungicide application uh, in certain situations that, that where they feel like they, they may need to head something off uh, before it really gets out of control. You know, one thing that we hear a lot about, and of course we're in the upper Midwest here, but we, we hear about crop getting really tall. Are, are you seeing that situation show up, or how did that cool, wet period you had early in the season impact the plants? We, we have, I would say, shorter than normal plants. I, I feel like we lost a couple to three weeks maybe in the, in the early vegetative development phases where we just weren't growing and getting that, uh, the height that we would normally get. Um, so, you know, we, we will have some acres. It, it just depends on the planting date and, and where those acres fell through some of those, those weather patterns that might limit the height. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's always something going on. There's no doubt about it. Well, uh, I guess uh, we're talking with Trent Irby at Mississippi State. I'll be thinking about the farmers down there, hoping some of these flooded acres dry up a little bit quicker so we have more options on the table of what we can come back in there with. Uh, Trent, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for all the info today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right, Brian. Yeah, it is a little different when you head in the south. You got got some different conditions they're working with. And I know even talking to Drake Copeland over in Ohio, he said we got some crop that's got some wet feet and a whole different challenges than the guys that are fighting where it's too dry. It's it's not good either way. It's not good when we're too wet. It's not good when we're too dry. But the bugs are still coming. Disease is still possible. Uh, a lot of things happening as these soybean plants get into the reproductive phases as well. A lot of things you can do to try to influence yield. Yeah, and the thing is, you can't control heat. You can't control wind. You can't control rainfall. So don't worry about it. We just have to manage whatever conditions we're dealt with and do the best job that we can. So when I'm thinking about late season scouting and soybeans, our topic today, probably the biggest thing right now that we're getting questions on is the poor weed control out there. Look, if you want to get better results, if you're in a hot, dry area, we encourage you spray in the morning, use crop oil or methylated seed oil to break through the wax that's been built building up on these weeds because it's so hot and dry. Uh, increase your use rates, and then decrease the amount of products you throw in a tank mix. (laughs) Because the more products you throw in, a lot of times that leads to antagonism of one or more products. So for example, if you're trying to kill volunteer corn and you're having a tough time because you've mixed it with dicamba or 2,4-D, well, spray the volunteer corn herbicide separately in soybeans. And I know it's another trip, but I'm just saying if you want better results, that's one option. Otherwise, you have to really increase that rate to overcome the antagonism. In terms of weeds, we are expecting to see more kochia and more water hemp because there is decreased crop canopy because of these hot, dry conditions. 
Kosha loves it hot, dry. Um, it even survives in salt pretty well. I often, when I talk to plant breeders, I just say, why don't you take whatever's in Kosha that makes it do so well in all these rotten conditions and put that into my corn or soybeans and we'd have amazing crops right now. <laughs> so Kosha seems to survive with anything. With the water hemp and some of these other late emerging weeds, um, when you don't have crop canopy, it's really hard. And with water hemp in these hot conditions, it can grow two to three inches in a day. So literally, you could go out, scout your field one week, you come back a whole week later, and you go, what the heck happened? I got foot-tall weeds out here. Yeah, that's what water hemp does. We'll talk a little more about late-season scouting and get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, Here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking about late season scouting in soybeans. As we went to break, um, I was mentioning about kochia and just how that plant seems to grow through almost anything. And then during our during our break, Darren goes, yeah, you know, you wouldn't even need any biotech trait or anything because kochia is resistant to just, uh, you know, to a whole bunch of herbicides already. I said, Darren, that's actually a fantastic idea. You know, everybody gives these these breeding companies a hard time because they're using biotech traits. It's nothing scary. It's no big deal. But people freak out about that. Well, why don't we just take the stuff out of kochia or the stuff out of water hemp or mare's tail that seems to be resistant to all these herbicides anyway? It's natural. And there you go. Now, all of a sudden, we got corn and soybeans resistant to Roundup and resistant to whatever. Maybe it's dicamba or 2,4-D soon. So... <laughs> Anyway, that that would be interesting. Well, I okay. thought I thought this too, Brian. As we were uh, just talking, we had some people on that were talking about it's too wet in the area, and others that were saying it's too dry. Yep. And what I'm seeing the that fields that are too wet or the fields that are too dry is we can tell differences out in the field very well. Like for example, let's just say it's 80 degrees, sunny. You get an inch of rain every week. <laughs> Everything looks great. It looks like, oh, we did a great job farming this year. But when you get no rain or you get way too much rain, you can tell where you've made some mistakes. We're seeing where we had planter issues. We're seeing where we had tillage issues, where we had compaction problems. We're seeing a lot of tank clean-out issues this year. It's just crazy. We're also seeing a few other things that you should be scouting for, no matter how good a job you've done farming. You've got to take an eye on, do I have Soybean cyst nematode areas. We're seeing parts of fields that I've already had a few calls. Hey, I think I have potassium deficiency. And when you look at the soil test from the area, you're like, no, you got plenty of potassium there. What else you got going on? Then we dig up some roots and we see soybean cyst nematode on those roots. Those problems show up much worse when when you're lacking moisture out in the field. The other thing that we're starting to see in some of these areas that were a little bit wet in the spring Everybody seemed to be cool for at least a few weeks this spring. We're seeing some sudden death syndrome, and we're hearing about that just starting to show up a little bit. So that's something you want to keep an eye out for. And, of course, always be watching for nutrient deficiencies in fields. I kind of dismissed one of them by saying, well, that's probably just soybean cyst nematode out there. But do a little bit of digging. Do your homework. Take a soil sample in those areas. Take a plant tissue sample and see what's going on. We do see some nutrient deficiencies generally after we hit the reproductive stages in soybeans other than iron deficiency chlorosis, which isn't necessarily a deficiency of iron, just a deficiency of iron in the right form due to uh, soil pH being too high and some other factors in the field. So keep an eye out for just anything you see that looks different in the field and try to figure out why does it look different here versus somewhere else. Our dad was originally from north central Iowa before he married our mom and they moved to South Dakota and farmed here like 200 miles away. And he always talked about the number one thing he learned farming in those two very different regions was in Iowa, rain a lot of times corrected his mistakes. He said, 
yeah, it's not like I I wasn't trying to do a good job and everything else, but you know, any little thing that goes wrong here in South Dakota versus in Iowa, um, there's a big difference when you get rain versus where you don't. So where he was from, on average, 35 inches of total annual precip, including the snow. Here where we farm, 22 inches of total annual precip, including the snow. So basically where he was from in Iowa gets 50% more rainfall than we do. And his point was, hey, any weed I have or insect or disease or a little bit poor stand or lack of fertility, too much salt. I mean, the things that Darren was just talking about, all that stuff, it mostly goes away if you have rainfall. It gets amplified if you don't. So this is one thing we've often talked about, too, for people in drier areas like ours and West. And they say, well, I can't put much into the crop because I don't have much money. I don't have a lot of yield potential. And we always say, well, we understand that. And there are certain things you want to cut back on, but you don't want to cut back on your weed control. You don't want to cut back on insect spraying and that kind of thing if harmful insects show up. So you, you really have to micromanage that crop when you're in a dry area and suffering. Now, granted, if you're going to zero things out, that's a different deal. But most of the time, we're not zeroing things out. We just may have subpar yields, but there can be, I mean, okay, so normally here, like on our farm, we're averaging, I don't know, call it 210, 220 bushel corn. Let's say we average 140 this year, all right? So that would be a disaster for us. But my point is, if there are some things you've done that increase your yield from 140 to, let's call it 160, I mean, that's a home run in a year like this where we have great commodity prices. So always be looking at what's my return on investment when I do something and just understand when it's drier, then you have to try to get more things right if you possibly can. Speaking specifically about insects, if I was you, I would keep an eye out for grasshoppers the rest of the summer, and I'd really look for, on the mite end of things, spider mites. We've already sprayed all of our soybean fields for spider mites. Yes, already. We've already sprayed them all. We had mites in every single field. Are you looking for mites? Most people don't until it's too late and the plant is loaded top to bottom with spider mites. So we just encourage you, be looking for these things because both grasshoppers and spider mites, we see far more of them when it's dry versus when it's wet. I would also say soybean aphids, corn leaf aphids, almost any other bug that can show up in your crop, when it's dry, you need way fewer of those to reach your economic threshold because the amount of damage they do is far worse when it's dry. Now, I, I realize for probably half of our listeners, you're not too dry. And so I, I don't care really, quite frankly, if you're dry or wet. We're always going to encourage you, scout for harmful insects, scout for weeds, uh, be thinking about diseases. Now with disease, I will say if you're in a dry area and chances are your yield's going to be less, your crop canopy is less, you have far less chance for disease. So the odds that a fungicide is going to pay are less. If you are going to use a fungicide, get a strobe in there, a strobilurin product like Headline Quadrus Avito. That could either be the product you spray or 
part of the product you spray or product mix you spray because we are seeing plant health benefits with those strobes. Everything from the the plant is cooler, we have more antioxidant, higher antioxidant levels in those plants, and there will be less ethylene production. So hopefully that plant can hang on longer, not finish super early. But like in our area, we are in the severe drought area, and so already I'm planning on an early harvest. We've only harvested corn before soybeans once in the history of our farm. That was in 2012. That was the last major drought we had. I can almost guarantee you we'll be harvesting corn before beans again this fall already. So it's not looking great. Now that isn't necessarily a horrible thing, but it's just something you have to be prepared for. And here's the reason why I bring this up. Because we always want to be thinking ahead, okay, what's most likely to happen? Now, it may or may not happen, but I I think it's important to plan for that because normally we're going to start corn harvest on our farm, let's call it October 5th, all right, October 10th, somewhere in there. Well, if all of a sudden we're starting September 5th or September 10th, if we don't have our combines ready to go, how are we going to get that done? So if we don't have the help we need, the, the all the equipment. I mean, just literally everything. We need to be ready to go a whole month earlier, in my opinion, this year. Might not happen. Okay, we might harvest at the same normal time, but I just want to be prepared so we are ready to go and we can turn out okay. Here's the reason why this is so important in corn. If you harvest late and your corn gets super dry, back in 2012, there are a lot of people harvesting 10, 12, 13% moisture corn. You don't want that because number one, you've already given up a bunch of your income because the elevator will take it at 15 or 15 and a half percent with no dock. So you definitely don't want to be hauling them 12. You just lost a whole bunch of money. But the other side of it is volunteer corn. You're going to have way more volunteer corn if you harvest at 12 as opposed to if you harvest at 20. So we want to take our corn out at least a little bit wetter. We get more yield that way. We have a lot less on the ground, and we have less spraying we have to do the next year. And quite frankly, then, that also leads to higher soybean yields the next year. So anyway, a lot of stuff for you to think about there. We would just really encourage you keep scouting your crops all throughout the season. Do the best you can to maximize your profitability this year. All right, we'll get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome. Feeding the world responsibly. Partnering with microbes for human benefit. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. 
college scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we are taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Oregon. We've got Josh with us right now with some spraying questions. Josh, how's it going? Uh, good. Real good. Just hot and dry. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about there. So, okay, how does that impact the spraying that you're doing? You're going after weeds. What are you? What are you trying to spray? Uh, right now, we're uh, going to start spraying uh, thistles, Russian thistles, and uh, going after trying to lettuce. And the comments you made oh, earlier about uh, limiting uh, modes of action when you throw in the, in the tank mix when it's you said it's hot and dry, and well, I was trying to think of what else to throw in the tank with roundup and you said that and i kind of started thinking thinking something different so i just kind of curious um because the next probably five six days it's supposed to be a high of uh, 105 to uh, 110 with the nighttime temperatures maybe in the low 70s i'm hoping to push my spraying past that so at least the temperatures at nights in the 60s yeah, just trying to figure uh, out what to put in the tank besides Roundup. Sure. Yep. Those are those are tough things. And and here was kind of our point, Josh. Anytime you're putting herbicides together, you want to think about all right. Does one help the other, or does one hurt the other? So, for example, we here in the Midwest, a lot of guys are spraying either 2,4-D or dicamba over the top of tolerant soybean crops, and then they're throwing in a volunteer corn herbicide like a clethodim or fusillade or a sure 2 something like that. Well, the problem with dicamba and 2,4-D is they are very antagonistic 
to that grass herbicide, or we call it volunteer corn herbicide. So it's like if I a normal rate of four ounces will work fine for the volunteer corn herbicide, I literally have to throw eight or ten ounces in there to overcome that antagonism. And it, the problem gets worse when the volunteer corn isn't taking the herbicide in very well, like what we're running into now when guys are going out spraying when it's 95 degrees, almost no humidity, the corn, the volunteer corn's all rolled up and it's developed a thick wax on its surface. So it's hard to penetrate through that. So I'm just saying we got the odds stacked against us in the beginning. Then we have this antagonism issue. So it, it, it becomes a little harder to overcome it. Now, fortunately, Roundup doesn't antagonize many other things. You can throw a lot of other stuff in with Roundup and it's not going, the Roundup at least, isn't going to hurt the performance of something else. However, I will say just like dicamba and 2,4-D negatively impact grass herbicides, they also negatively impact glyphosate. So if, let's say, that was what you were throwing in with the Roundup, I would tell you you'd have to bump the rate of Roundup if you want the same performance of a standard rate uh, compared to putting it in with dicamba or 2,4-D. So anyway, those are just my general statements. Was there something in particular you wanted to throw in, or what were you thinking about? Well, I was going to put in uh, basically a full rate of Roundup. I I think whatever five-pound Roundup is, I think I can uh, 48 ounces of five-pound, and then I was going to put some MSO in there and some uh, adjutants. And okay. uh, the local guide said uh, throw in like uh, six ounces of dicamba in there too because the thistles, some of our thistles are getting resistant to Roundup. So it's getting harder and harder to kill. And then the temperature in the next week is not very good for killing those thistles. Uh, what, and I, I'm sorry I missed it. What what are you spraying here? What crop? Uh, thistle. Uh, oh, Kimphala. Where's yeah. Kimphala? Yep, yep, just Chemfella. Well, the the reason why I ask is because here again, yeah, if you throw that dicamba in with the Roundup, it absolutely will hurt the performance of the Roundup. But I've never heard of a thistle. Darren, have you heard of a, any thistles that are becoming resistant to Roundup? No, I can't say that I have, but I will say when, when it's 105 degrees and drought stressed, it's hard to get stuff into crop. Right. So, but, but, so there's probably some extra things we need to do. Yeah, but I think he's doing that. No, I know the, the, we were, we're, the yeah. MSO and the adjuvant should hopefully overcome most of that. So that's usually what we talk to guys about in Chem Fallow is a high rate of Roundup, MSO or crop oil, along with some other adjuvants. Uh, that all sounds what fantastic about, to me. What about Russian thistle, though, Brian? And what do you see with that? We see ALS problems, but I don't know that we've seen Roundup problems at that No, time. but I, well, are we talking Russian thistle here? Russian thistle. Yes, yes, Russian oh, okay. thistles. Okay, okay. There's, uh, there's a strain going around right now. It's, uh, and they're, they're, it's starting to be more and more resistance around here. Gotcha. Of uh, thistles, there, a okay. lot of people are switching back to conventional because they can't kill it. Sure. Okay. Um, what else are you trying to kill out there? Uh, there are there a whole bunch of other weeds? Is there some grass? What else is out there? Oh, some, uh, some volunteer weeds. Some. Yep. Uh, mostly, it's mostly just. China lettuce and uh, thistles, and the thistles gotcha. are hard to kill. Yep, gotcha. Okay, yeah, and I, I apologize. Normally, 
around here when we talk thistles through through the Midwest anyway, we're talking Canada thistle a lot of times. I wasn't thinking Russian thistle, so my bad. Anyway, uh, yeah, with Russian yeah. thistle, if that's all we're really after, I don't have a big problem if you want to throw dicamba in there. It's just understand now your roundup is going to be less. But, you know, if all we're trying to kill for a grass is wheat and that China lettuce, um, that also is going to get impacted dramatically by that dicamba you're throwing in there. It should be okay. My only question would be if the six ounces of dicamba is going to be enough if you're already having problems with that Roundup working on that Russian thistle. So, you know, I, I, I would just say... I, I call that six ounces kind of borderline, and I understand we're Kim Fowl. So all we're trying to do is just get this stuff knocked down. That's great. So hopefully you can get by with the six ounces. If that, if you get all done, you go back and you look at stuff and you see, oh, it killed most of them, but not all of them, just understand the rate was probably the difference. So in the future, if you want to get more plants, if you want to kill more plants, you might have to bump that dicamba a little bit. But otherwise, I, I'm not going to complain about your program. It doesn't sound bad to me. Okay. Would okay. Uh, I mean besides dicamba, what other products would you uh, out there that for the I uh, to add an extra mode to help with sure. the roundup? Would sure. a sharp like one ounce of the sharpen work? Yep. Uh, so you got sharpen or aim. Those are both PPO herbicides that uh, aim has no residual. Sharpen has a short residual, maybe a month's worth of residual or something, depending on the rate you use. Uh, you could certainly go 2,4-D instead of the dicamba. You could also go distinct. Uh, distinct has some dicamba in it, but it's got this other product called diflufenzapir that's another mode of action that's really, really good. So I might consider throwing in, let's see, uh, the equivalent, even two and a half ounces of distinct wouldn't cost much more than your six ounces of dicamba, and it works better on both Russian thistle and prickly lettuce. So, th I mean, those would probably be, just off the top of my head, the first things I would think about. So you do have some options. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I was going against LV just because temperature, and I just <laughs> like spraying it when that's hot. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> yep yeah 100 105 is pretty hot so we're we're you know it, it's funny josh in our area of the country the hottest day of the year on average is only 84 to 86 degrees that i'm saying the average temperature normally we'll get some temperatures in the 90s don't get me wrong but i'm just saying the average high temperature for the hottest time of year for us is only 84 to 86 degrees so we're, we're pretty lucky that a lot of these weeds are much easier to control you know when you've got those lower temperatures this year we just have had so many hot temps we're not used to it you probably are a little bit more used to this but, yeah, it's no fun when it gets that hot trying to kill these weeds. Yeah. All right. Thank All right. you very much. You bet. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right, Brian, have you got time to talk about this one with the hay or not really? Well, we got uh, 30 seconds, so I don't think so. Okay. Then I'm going to read this one that came in from Laker as a comment. And Laker says, I took a job as a small-town reporter in rural Iowa, and I'm originally from the city. The videos that you post with Ag PhD are really helpful to me in regards to understanding the lives of local farmers. Besides getting to know farmers and count them as friends, these videos are a good backup for me. Keep up the great work. I love my job, and these videos are helping me do what I love doing. Hey, thanks, Laker. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we know a lot of folks are, are looking at the videos not 
just because hey, I farm and I want to have a different idea or potentially uh, do a, a better job at something or learn about something new. It's also a way for a lot of non-farm people to stay in touch with what's going on on the farm. And I think that we get feedback like that from time to time. We get a lot of feedback about, wow, didn't realize how much technology there was in farms these days. So great to hear. Thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it. Good luck as your, as your job in rural Iowa. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.